Well, today we answer the question, two teams in expansion or four teams in expansion? Let's go. Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions. Please continue to like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen, wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started and it's a mailbag tuesday i love me some good mailbag questions and you've got a lot of great ones out there this one comes in from jake l and if you ever want a question asked answered here on the show youtube comments twitter both good ways to get in touch with me at smalls underscore 55 or at lo underscore pack 12 i've heard the suggestion says jake l that the pack take a page out of the Big 12's book and replace the two departing teams with four teams. What would you consider the most likely and best four teams to add? Me, I'd go with San Diego State, Fresno State, SMU, UNLV. Intriguing question here. Let's start with the first half of it. Two teams versus four teams. Now, the merits of adding four teams, I do think are legitimate on a couple of fronts. Number one, the likelihood that you could then have a team in your conference by the time they join the league that could compete and contend perhaps early, but at least get to a top 25 level is in theory higher if you add more teams depending on which four specifically you add and what sort of investment those programs are able to make from a football standpoint. But the other thing with adding four teams is it would give the perception of keeping pace with the other conferences in the country. The Big Ten is now going to 16. The SEC has, I think, 14 or 16. The Big 12 is going to have 12 again after having had 10 for a long time, but they're going for a little bit of a volume play. So if you sit at 12, you're looking at the Big 12 and saying, that's our direct comparison there, who we are going to, quote unquote, go up against, be compared to from a competitive and conference health standpoint. Now, the ACC, let me look at how many teams are actually in the, the ACC because I want to make sure that I uh, get all of this stuff exactly right. The ACC is bigger. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. So if you want to feel like you're perceptual, perceptually, perceptionally, I think it's the second word, keeping pace with the other conferences, you'd go to 14. And this is a sport, by the way, where perception matters a great deal. And I talked about this on yesterday's show. I'm going to continue to drive it home on this show from now until the end of time, or at least until we get a media rights deal for the Pac-12. The conference is not, with the teams that are remaining and the teams they could add, 
wildly behind the ACC or Big 12, there's even a solid case that they're in front of both. Now, adding 14 teams gives you more scheduling opportunities. That is an unquestioned merit there because if you stay at 10 or you go to 12, you don't have as many options. But if you were to go to 14, you could craft arguably more intriguing schedules because the teams that are new to the conference would then be able to play each other more often and you could set up as many high-profile matchups as you want, which is what the conference should be striving for anyway. I, I hope we all agree on that front. That's certainly how I feel about it. They should be putting their best teams against each other as often as possible. And if you added 14 teams, you could potentially allow for that because you wouldn't have the necessarily planned rotation of, you know, if you're working two teams into the conference schedule, they're going to just replace the others and the rotation will probably continue. But if you add four, you could kind of set it up so that in the early years, those teams play each other a little bit more often. And whereas Oregon might miss Utah normally in a year, you could schedule that game and have Utah not play let's say they added SMU because SMU would go up against like Fresno State or, or or somebody like that. So I think that that possibility is very real. The downside of adding four teams generally is the media rights situation because in the short term, there is no group of five program that adds value to the conference. In the long run, they could become someone who garners enough TV viewership over time because they build their program up, because they build their fan base out and those sorts of things or gain intrigue or interest. Maybe they make a splashy coaching hire like Deion Sanders, for instance. The long-term play is you want these teams to be able to add value to the conference, but that's not going to happen in the short term. Still, you could easily find four teams that would be happy to join the Pac-12. But the risk you run with adding four is the likelihood that all four become contributors or even that that two or three become net contributors to the conference's viewership and TV deal that kick back money to everybody else is not as high. If you add two teams, you don't have that as big of, of an issue, but I think it's it's really easy, frankly, to make an argument either way. I would love to see them add four because I think it would be fun. And I think you can find four group of five teams that from a football standpoint now could reasonably build themselves up with not that much more investment into being relevant competitive programs in the Pac-12. I, I do think that that there are four teams on that front. And now the second part of his question, what would you consider the most likely and best four teams to add? He would go, Jake Elwood, with San Diego State, Fresno State, SMU, and UNLV. I am with you automatically on two of those teams. I am pretty sure about one, and I'm less sure they'll understand why you included the other. I'll tell you which team 
gets each of those particular labels after I tell you all that if you haven't gone and checked out Built Bars yet, you're doing something wrong because they're a delicious treat that have just 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein, and they taste delicious. I had one on the golf course earlier today because I needed a little mid-round pick-me-up and the cart girl wasn't driving around for whatever reason. It was a windy day. I wouldn't have wanted to have been out there all day long either. Built Bar saved me there. Built Bars are in my pantry. You should have them too. They've got a bunch of great flavors. They're covered in 100% real chocolate, churro, peanut butter brownie, mint brownie, my personal favorite, coconut almond, and so many more. Plus the puffs are amazing. You just got to go check them out. You can get yours at Built.com. You can also go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club to get your latest orders of Built Bars today. Coming back to these four teams, SDSU, Fresno State, SMU, uh, I almost said Sam Houston for some reason. I don't even know why. SMU and UNLV. San Diego State and SMU, I think, are the top two options here. I think from a TV market and football competitiveness standpoint, in addition to the national relevancy of those teams compared to the other options, I think those are kind of the, the cream of the crop. If you're going to, if the Pac-12 is going to expand, and I fully expect those to be in the running for for the conference at this point in time. But if you're going to go to four, Fresno State is interesting, and I'm going to get to another one of your fantastic mailbag questions. Thank you so much for listening to or supporting the show and sending those questions in. By the way, about Fresno State, I don't think it's as much of a home run for the Pac-12, but competitively. They would certainly be more prepared to make the jump than most. UNLV is just a media play, which is not the worst thing in the world. It really isn't. But frankly, if I were to look at the top four options that we've evaluated together here on the show, San Diego State is there. SMU is there. I think Fresno is one of the top options. Boise would be in there for sure. I'm sneaky high on Air Force. I I am. I think when when you're considering viewership and how you're going to get people to watch your conference, which is ultimately what you need to make more money as a conference down the line, especially when you're losing the LA market, you need eyeballs. The Service Academy is a brand that transcends the state of Colorado. It's not in some big media market. But it was one of the most viewed teams in the Mountain West this year because they're a service academy and people recognize and watch that. And when you look at those numbers, you might say, oh, well, you know, all those Mountain West programs, they're no higher than, you know, 60 something or 70th in in viewership in the country. That's true. That's when they're playing a Mountain West schedule. So the question then becomes, which programs can you add that will not just be competitive in the conference? but will be relevant enough to fans outside of their geographical footprint that will get them to turn on and keep watching the television. And I think Air Force has that potential. There are some drawbacks. Talked about that on an entire recent episode of the show. You can go back and listen to or watch it, however you're consuming this show right now. But I think that that is a a sneaky, intriguing option they beat Colorado bad. This, I mean, most people did, to be fair. But, I mean, Cal didn't. But um, they beat Colorado this year. They've beaten Power 5 programs before. 
I don't think they've got a high ceiling, but their floor could be one of the highest additions in uh, in in the new era of of the Pac-12. But I'm with you on San Diego State. I'm with you on SMU. I think I'm with you on on Fresno State. And and I'll use that as a jumping off point to the next question here from Doug Robinson. Starting the video now, this was about the Fresno State expansion case. My number one issue with Fresno State is the PAC already has two, he says, quote unquote, Bay Area teams. They're both in the Bay, but anyway. Uh, So would Cal and Stanford want Fresno State in? And how many Fresno fans don't already watch the Pac-12? Is their viewership already baked in? I think the Pac-12 needs Southern Cal, San Diego State, and a major market they aren't currently in, UNLV or SMU. Looking forward to see if Lawyer Spencer addresses these issues. Well, Lawyer Spencer is on a, a very temporary leave for, <laughs> for today's show. But Fresno State, w- w- here's one thing you have to consider. Fresno State being added is simultaneously intriguing and a drawback because of where they are located. He makes an interesting point that their viewership potential is certainly there, but not necessarily as high as some other places because the Bay Area does already have a lot of people that are tuning into the Pac-12. But let me circle back to the point I was making about Air Force. You are looking to add a team if you're the Pac-12 that can be competitive, that can bring some TV viewership, but that can also attract an audience or have some recognition outside of the West Coast. This may come as a shock. Most people are not on the West Coast or in the Pac-12 footprint. Most people are in the other 70% of the geographic country. You want to get those people to watch as well. The SEC gets so much viewership. You know why? Because Georgia and Florida play, and you and I watch. Alabama plays LSU, you and I watch. And you're not going to get on that sort of level. But you are looking for someone that has, I think, some baked-in reputational respect from fans across the country that when a team makes the G5 to P5 jump, fans in the middle of the country or on the East Coast will say, oh, I want to see how they do against the Pac-12. And it's why of the original four that that Jake L. mentioned in his question, I know that academically it can't fit apparently on, on paper. I, I've talked to several people on that front that is a legitimate obstacle, but I would like to see Boise State. They're one of the most viewed teams in the Mountain West. They easily, easily, by far, have the strongest appeal to fans outside of their geographical footprint. I don't think that that's even particularly close. I think even more than Air Force because you know there's a certain brand there of the triple option and a, like, oh, it's good and fun and they can be good and all this sort of stuff. There are college football fans, a lot of them alive today that watched Boise State beat Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl that watch them win another Fiesta Bowl and another one. But that that singular game from all the way back in 2007 resonates. I know it still does with me, and there are a lot of people in the country, I'd be willing to bet, that remember that game specifically. 
So if somehow the Pac-12 presidents could agree to add Boise State who are making investments and commitments to their academics to raise them up, they still are a long ways behind. But if they could do that, I think that's just such an appealing, I think that's such an appealing matchup with, with, with other Pac-12 schools because that's what you're trying to do is create games, create matchups that not just your fans team, your team's fans want to watch, but that fans of other teams in other conferences are intrigued to watch. Now, on the Fresno State front, adding them is a little, adding them would be kind of a safety play. In the unlikely event that Stanford and Cal one day, which do academically, though not athletically, fit in the Big Ten. If one day that were to happen, you don't want to lose your footprint in California entirely. And if you already had Fresno State, you wouldn't have to worry about that. And you'd probably have the best football team in the Northern California area already if you had Fresno State. So I think that adding the Bulldogs, though I think they have some appeal for sure. They've played in some notable games over the years. I think they could draw a, a pretty solid audience, but not on the level that that I feel like Boise could. Fresno State getting added to the pack would certainly be able to compete and win games right now. They've beaten a Pac-12 team and not a bottom dweller each of the last two years. It's not an accident. It's a good program. They care about football. They want to go to the Power 5 level, and I think they're capable of winning at the Power 5 level. But you would only really add if you were if you were doing a four team expansion. Fresno State is a hundred percent in there, and rather than UNLV, which might be the logical choice because of Las Vegas, I'd rather see Boise State along with San Diego State and SMU. That is something that that Fresno State would would be a part of. I don't think Fresno State can crack the top two. If San Diego State and SMU want to go Power Five, and the Pac twelve offers them. Hard to see either side saying no. And I feel like Fresno State, because the other schools are there, would just miss the cut. I don't anticipate that the Big Ten is going to come calling for Stanford and Cal, even though it's a a strong academic fit. And now you would be expanding further into the state of California. It would make sense on, on the one hand. But on the other hand, academics and athletics are both at play in conference expansion and realignment. And the athletics for both Bay Area teams are just not there. I, I just don't see the Big Ten doing that at this point in time, maybe in 10 to 15 years. I don't think the PAC needs to add Fresno State. There's an appeal. But overall, it's more of a defensive play. And I don't think they need to be on the defensive at this point in time. Speaking of those Bay Area schools, I was asked the most intriguing question about them yesterday on the show. And I wanted to fully flush out my thoughts today, which I will do after I tell you about FanDuel because we're really excited about our new sports betting partner here at Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and 
Easy. Download FanDuel so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Ooh, forgive me while I take a sip of tea here. I got to catch my breath a little bit. Ooh, boy, we've been rolling on the show. Great mailbag questions. You guys are, you guys are absolutely awesome with this stuff. Keep them coming. I still got a bunch more to get to, by the way, and we will. Season doesn't start till September. We got some time. Paul Schmidt, can you count on Stanford and California to still be interested in major college athletics? It's possible that the binding glue in this conference was USC, and without them, there's no reason to worry about continuing the conference. But I'll put it this way. Oregon might be better off independent or hybrid independent than in a conference that isn't getting what the Big Ten or SEC gets. Hard disagree on Oregon. A conference provides a lot of things. Consistent quality opponents, TV media payouts, like Oregon would have to then negotiate its own TV deal or find a bunch of games to play, kind of like BYU did. But again, BYU, which is different than Notre Dame, right? They didn't have a specified contract with NBC. BYU has now joined a conference. And though Oregon's brand is is pretty darn strong, they're consistently one of the most viewed teams in the Pac-12 year in and year out, they're not Notre Dame. They're not going to be able to go to a network and say, hey, do you want just us, right? The Pac-12 label is still valuable to them. I don't see them overlooking that. But the Bay Area schools question there, can they be counted on to commit to them? I think we're really going to find out because this is an age in college sports in which we're going undergoing a lot of change. Transfer portal, NIL, player empowerment, all this crazy stuff. And if you're not playing the game, you're going to fall behind. What it reminds me of is one of the ways that Oregon came to prominence in the Pac-12 and in the, in the national college football picture was they were starting to attract more high-level recruits. I mean, Chip Kelly helped a lot, obviously, but they were attractive to people outside the state of Oregon because of their facilities. And back in the day, it was an arms race to see who could build the best facilities. Oregon capitalized on that and catapulted themselves to a level that wasn't seemingly possible just 10 to 15 years prior from a national recognition and branding standpoint. The Bay Area schools are in danger of being left behind. If they don't lower the academic barriers to be able to add transfers to their roster or recruit players who can help them but maybe don't qualify academically, it's just going to get tougher. It was already difficult for Stanford and Cal to add high-level talent. We saw that time and time again, and Stanford can recruit at a higher level than Cal, or at least from what we've seen, but it's still tough, and it feels like it's getting harder. So when you were already operating a disadvantage before NIL and the portal came into play, which neither school feels super poised to be able to capitalize on, you have to look yourself in the mirror 
as an administration and say, are we going to want to compete athletically in the major sports at a high level? It's awesome that Stanford women's basketball has won a national championship. Tara Vanderveer does an outstanding job with that program. But we all know athletically, it's not driving the bus here. And if you want to be deemed a premier athletic institution, one or both of football and men's basketball have to be made a priority and have to be held to certain standards. And it feels like the standards for for football and men's basketball in the Bay have just been dropping precipitously over time. David Shaw had an incredible run. He was a fantastic coach for a long time, but the game seemed to have moved moved past him and the Cardinal kept him kept him on at least one if not two years longer than other programs that have high standards would have. And Cal is in the same sort of space right now. They're not known for elite facilities. They're not going to recruit at a high level. And they extended Justin Wilcox on the heels of a five-win season. And he followed it up with a four-win season. If he comes back and misses a bowl game again this year, are they just going to ride out another year or two of the contract to lessen the buyout? Because a six-year extension is not small potatoes here. We're talking tens of millions of dollars if he goes three and nine or four and eight and you say, okay, no, yeah, we need to make a change. But you made that commitment in the first place because that's the standard that they've set. One eight plus win season in five years was good enough for a long-term extension. That's the sort of thinking, the mentality, the mindset that is not going to allow you to keep pace. It just isn't. Because if you're content being mediocre, being stuck in the middle, or every now and then you know, getting into the top tier, but then immediately falling back down when you have the potential to do more, which Stanford and Cal certainly do, you have to make those sorts of decisions. And that investment has to come from the highest level, the president, the athletic director, the alumni, the fans. It's not an easy thing to do. But if the Bay Area schools are not able, like the, the question that they got asked here from my guy Paul is, can you count on Stanford and Cal to still be interested in major col- college athletics? I don't think they're going to drop their programs entirely because they add a lot of value to the university, even if they aren't very good, you know, marketing materials and student experience and uh, all that sort of stuff. And, and just having scholarships like that, that all I don't think is going to go away, but can they be counted on? It honestly feels 50-50. It, it, it really does. Because the question you have to ask is what I just laid out. Can you depend on them to contend or, or to want to contend at a high level? Because it's it just hasn't felt for the last few years like they have. And it feels like there are a lot of chips starting to stack against them that, that just spell that they could have a really, really low ceiling going forward. So to answer your question, Paul, can they be counted on to invest in it or care about it? We are certainly going to find out, and I think we'll find out pretty soon, as in the next year or two. Appreciate everyone listening. See you next time. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day.